Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode, hey Jewel. Hey Em. How's it going over there? It's uh, it's an early morning recording we have going on here. Yes, it is. We're getting this up on Tuesday if our lives depend on it. I I know, kid, I know. Later at the end of the episode, I'll talk about some of the feedback that we had gotten back when I asked that question last week about which day, because honestly, and I'll talk about it at the end because I know some people don't care. I was blown away as to the detailed level of feedback that people gave in the best way possible. Like it was so appreciated, just really giving us insight into their listening schedule and how it fit into their lives. And we'll talk about it at the end because I thought it was really helpful, didn't you? Yeah, very much so. So let's get into it. As you guys know, every week we're highlighting a Black-owned business, and this week it's called Nude Bar. So basically, this woman who was a former dancer, Erin Carpenter, was always frustrated when she couldn't find hosiery that matched her skin tone. So she created this line of tights and bralettes and underwear. It comes in 13 shades, and it's called NudeBar.com, and I will put all the information in the description as always. Okay, let's start with the Friends reunion, don't you think? It's the only thing I want to talk about. It was really phenomenal. It was as excellent as every single person who watched it said it was. Yeah, and I just want to say, and we'll get into some of the details in a second, and I'm assuming most of you that are listening to this have watched it. I know that there was so much skepticism around it just because everybody thought, you know, how good could it be? They're basically just sitting on a couch reflecting. But I think that most of us, or at least the majority of the reaction I've seen, with the exception of the NPR article, was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I always say that articles like that aren't a true representation of how people felt watching it because their job is kind of to be more critical, where everyone else who was watching it just sat down and had a truly enjoyable one hour and 45 minutes of television. I think the thing with the reunion was that it wasn't just that people were like skeptical of it. It was just, A, you really didn't know what it was going to be because it was a different format than you've ever seen of a reunion show. And also, I think that with reunion shows, typically you're kind of underwhelmed because you have all these expectations of like, what's going to happen? Is it How's it going to be so many years later? Are we going to get the fill-in of all of our favorite characters and where they are now? And it was never marketed like that. It was never going to be like a their, their characters. So I think people went in with a really open mind about like, what is this going to be? Because they couldn't really form it in their head. Well, I was going to say, you are somebody that has really taught me the 
beauty of managing expectations. And as I was watching this, I was thinking that production, whoever was kind of in charge of marketing this, or probably a combination of the two, I felt did a really good job of managing the public's expectations because I can't believe for as loved of a show as Friends was, the prior negativity to the idea of a reunion. You know, people, not everybody, but the majority of people weren't super, super excited. And so I actually think that helps them in the long run. Yeah, it was very mixed reviews. Again, I think people weren't excited because they didn't know what they were going to get. And I think in the past, when things have done reunions or reboots, it's, I don't want to say ruin the show, but it's never as good as the original. So people are always down on the idea of it. Like everyone wants their favorite show rebooted or a spinoff series in theory. And then when it actually happens, they're always disappointed. The beauty of the reunion was that it never tried to do that. It was all just entirely uh, capturing and exploring that nostalgia element. And also Friends was the type of show that was elevated to just a different degree than what you're used to with any other show. It just captured an era in a way that most TV shows simply can't. So for them to just be themselves discussing that period of their lives and our lives, I think just created for the ultimate success story in terms of how they did this rather than just here are the characters, here's what they would have been in theory and what you've made up in your mind. And here they are married 17 years later. Right. And they, they're never going to do that, I think, was kind of what they've always said. And they stuck with that, you know, this time. And just for context, the finale was May 6, 2004. It was watched by 52 million people. You guys all heard that. So it's been basically 17 years. And the six of them hadn't been in a room since the finale, except for one other time. And they never really got into the details of why they were together. But that was the Instagram post from October 2019, which was the photo that Jen used when she launched her Instagram, which I know to your average person doesn't really matter, but for us, that was such a big time in our account, You know, just kind of putting together all those comments and her coming on the app and how big of a deal that was at the time. And so I do wonder the context of that, You know, if it was just some random dinner or what the reason was for that. Because I personally, as myself, having an Instagram account, remember that very vividly. Yeah, I think the reason for them doing it was maybe Jen's launch or the idea of discussing this friend reunion, because as we know, this has been in the works for a long time and it was announced in 2019. So I think just creating hype around the reunion was probably the reason for it. I did find it funny that when they said that they had only been together one other time, they didn't throw that picture up or specify it was because they have it on record what it was. It wasn't like they just told them, yeah, we've only hung out one other time. Yeah. I want to get into a few elements of it that aren't technical. They're just little things that I picked up on, not even getting into some of the plots they talked about, which we will discuss, but you and I haven't spoken about this at all. And so one of the first things that I noticed, and I don't know if this was actual or was just in my head, I felt like Jennifer was kind of really conscious of not speaking over people or making it all about her because I think there's that underlying knowledge, obviously, that she is the biggest star and the most successful out of all of them. And I felt like she really not took a backseat, but specifically when they were talking aside from James, she was very excited for it to be, to let other people shine. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was maybe a conscious effort. And also the thing with the show is that it had always been about the six of them. Their salaries were even, it was specifically an ensemble cast so that not one of them was the clear star, even though Jen was the breakaway star of the show. So I think that 
it was a combination of her being a little bit more conscious of that, but also just the regression of the six of them being together. Yes. In a lot of ways, that's exactly how I was thinking about it. She was almost reversing to the role that she had at the time, which you're right, was very similar to the rest of them. And I just, it it didn't have to go like that. If she wasn't her, even if there was a level of regression, she could have made it more about her and the audience probably would have been okay with that because maybe some of them would have expected it. But I did feel like it was a conscious effort. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's also just her personality, I feel like, of what we've observed over the years. She's really not one to make the entire thing about her. I think she's very happy to sit there with her friends and her people and and support the others. And I think the thing with Jen and the reason why she's so successful and why everyone loves her is because she has nothing to prove. It is the common knowledge that she is one of the biggest stars in the entire world, and she just lets that speak for itself. Right, which is really appreciated and actually not consistent with a lot of others that are equally as big. Oh, absolutely. Another like side element is that obviously out of all of them, Courtney and Jen are the closest and you didn't pick that up at all. If I didn't know that going in, I would never feel like there was any allegiance there or that they were closer than the rest of them or like they had seen each other a million times since. I really did feel like they were coming in on as leveled of a playing field as possible. Yeah, I did too, except there's one part where, and this is not a negative at all, there's one part where they're walking to the couch when they first come out and her and uh, Courtney are holding hands walking out, which I thought was just really sweet. I mean, I guess when you have the knowledge of how often they see each other and how close they are, um, you know, it adds to it. But also they see Lisa a lot and they're involved in each other's projects and they've seen each other throughout the years and supported each other. And I think that definitely showed, just not in an overbearing way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was subliminal. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the celebrity cameos. Okay. Let me just preface by saying that I find there are a few things recently on television that are an hour and 40 minutes that just make me smile and live in pure joy the entire time and at times cry and at times laugh and just be overly joyed. So this is not the thing that I'm going to be critical of. I just, to me, I'm so appreciative that it happened. But my one point that I don't know if it's just me or if you feel this way at all, was the celebrity cameos in terms of like Reese Witherspoon and David Beckham and Mindy Kaling, all of whom I really respect individually. I don't know if hearing them talk about their experiences contributed that much or if it felt that additive. I don't know. How did you feel about that? Um, There were certain ones where I was like, I I personally don't need this. Reese I enjoyed because she played Rachel's sister on the show, which I thought was just a funny origin story in terms of them also having a show together now and them having a friendship over the years. So that aspect of it, I did appreciate her specifically. I personally thought that there were other guest stars that they could have had that were on the show that would have added more than having people that just watched the show. But I understand the perspective of trying to, you know, explain the reach that the show had in terms of around the world and in terms of celebrities and everybody and how it was just such a phenomenon. But yeah, I I do agree with that to an extent. I think it just took up time. Um, But I did, like, for example, at the end when they have the fashion show, which I thought was so cute, for it to be Cara, Justin Bieber, and Cindy Crawford was just so random to me. I was like, you could have had so many people come out. How did those just three people get chosen? That's what I was thinking. I wasn't complaining about it necessarily. I was just so confused because it felt like a move to, I mean, I get it, you know, attract a bigger audience. All three of those people have big followings. Obviously, Cara and Justin touch on a younger audience. And I can understand that. It was just confusing to me. Like, I, I don't know. I 
And I actually found myself as somebody who obviously loves celebrity culture. I was more interested in watching the quote normal people from around the globe talk about their experiences of what it meant to them than hearing David Beckham, who I could look at all day. I don't know. It was I know that's kind of off brand for me to say, but that's how I felt. I also think that the small little cameos of people who had minor roles on the show or, you know, roles in the show that were so memorable but not the main cast were also such a great addition to have Mr. Heckles and Joey's hands when like they were just tiny little details that I felt like paid homage to the show in such a great way. But also something that it did that I always appreciate when shows do this is it's like, if you're a day one fan, if you're somebody who's watched the show over and over again, if you love the show, then this little shout out is for you. It proves like almost like we know that you've been paying attention and we want to honor that by giving you something that only you would get. And I think that's how so much of the show felt, which was really nice because for Friends fans, which is obviously so many people and so many people have rewatched the show over and over and over throughout the years, whether it's on TV or streaming services or whatever, for people like that, they wanted to feel like those tiny little things were as important to everybody else as they were to them. It's kind of like when we talk about the Kardashians and we say like, okay, we know all the major quotes that have been played over and over again. Like we're over that. But when you bring Shorty back for an episode, just to say like, we know you've been here since season one and you remember this character who was on one time, we are showing you our appreciation for you watching the show by pointing out something small like that. Yes, exactly. And that's why, you know, in that NPR article that was very cynical, they kind of pointed out how the Gellers, Elliot Gould and Christina Pickles, didn't get, you know, that much of a an homage. And to me, I actually thought the way that they did it, having them be in the audience and having Christina share that nice little anecdote about how it really did feel parental, that was intimate to me. I liked that. I I agreed that they couldn't have made it all about the cameos. That part genuinely jumped out to me as one of my favorite parts of the whole show. I also happen to love both of them and love their characters. And I thought that the two of them sitting there talking about feeling like parents, him kissing her forehead, I just thought it was incredibly, incredibly sweet and well done. And the, you know, the director of the show who, you know, directed the reunion special had spoken about this because there was a lot of conversation about Paul Rudd and Cole Sprouse not making any appearances in it. And he basically said like, We only had an hour and 45 minutes and we had to make it about the main six. So it's not like they could spend so much time going through all of these, you know, side characters and giving them their own plot line and their own time on the show because it was a time crunch and it was really mainly about the six of them. Right. Like, for example, yes, would everybody had died if Brad Pitt came out? Yeah, but it wasn't the right time. And so I, I understood those creative decisions as much as selfishly I would have liked that. Brad did get a shout out though. Did you catch that? Yes. And she repeatedly, I guess, solely refers to him as Pitt, which I've kind of known, but now that I've seen it more and more, that's really how she talks about him. Yeah. Because they were doing that one part in the reunion special where they're talking about all their amazing guest stars. And that, I mean, friends had the the lineup of guest stars that you wouldn't believe. And David Schwimmer says like, your fella, <laughs> Brad was on. And she says, yep, Pitt was on an episode. And they were doing another interview before the reunion special where they were also talking about guest stars. And Jen just says, Mr. Pitt's episode was great or something like that. And I was like, I love that. I don't get it why I still, all these years later, have such a strong reaction to hearing her say his name or vice versa, but I just unapologetically do. 
it's it'll never get old. I was literally watching the episode that he was on last night and dying just seeing them in the same room together, even though they were fully together at that point. Before we talk about some of the revelations from the actual couch, I just wanted to touch on something that Kit Harrington said because I think he described each of the six of them as kind of like masters of physical comedy. And he was talking about the pivot scene. And, you know, he said, if you look at the actual script, it's pretty uneventful. And they showed the script as he was talking. And he's like, it was because of the way that they did that scene and their expressions and the way that they move that made it so memorable. And I was thinking about that also when they were showing the Julia Roberts cameo and she kind of you know, ask Chandler to come into the stall and you see he like pushes himself. And I think seeing that one scene, which I've seen a million times after listening to Kit talk about that just made me realize, you know, that that was such a huge part of it because some of the scenes were really not that spectacular when it came to just the writing. No, of course. I mean, it was, it was the entire way they acted. It was the chemistry of the show. I mean, that one pivot scene is so funny, but the funniest part of it to me is when they show the behind the scenes bloopers of it, of them unable to control themselves because they're laughing so hard. And they did that for a couple of other scenes where they're showing the behind the scenes bloopers. And when I tell you that I was literally laughing so hard, I was crying because to watch them all together, the chemistry they have and just unable to control themselves was like the most joy you could ever get out of watching a show. Like to me, there's nothing funnier than that and seeing the way they're interacting together and laughing and laughing at themselves and the script. And you're 100% right. Like the scenes themselves aren't always, it, it took the six of them to bring those scenes to life and to add their own brand of comedy to each of them that really, that's what made the show so special. Yeah. And the other thing about the magic of those bloopers is because that's what you hope for is going on behind the scenes. When you're watching it, you're having so much fun and you're enjoying it so much and you really believe that they're friends. And so to then have that knowledge confirmed, even though we've known it, it just makes you really happy. Like I just think for your average person, that's something that will make you smile. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. An element also that goes kind of into the idea of the bloopers and the behind the scenes is obviously I know it was filmed in front of a live studio audience. It's just something I often forget about. And there was a lot of times throughout the special where they were going through things that happened on the show and then showing the audience's reaction to it, which is something that I don't think we had ever seen. So there was one part where they're talking about when Monica and Chandler get together when they're in London and they just they show Monica pop up for the first time. The audience had no idea that that was ever going to happen. It was obviously a huge twist in the show. And to hear the audience uncontrollably laughing and cheering and screaming for that moment was so special, I thought. And then to hear them talk about how, you know, that wasn't supposed to be an end game plot line. It was just supposed to be a thing that happened. But then when they heard the audience's reaction to it and how much they loved that plot line and that story, and they just ran with it and made it a whole thing in the show, I thought was so special because you don't think about shows typically in terms of that. You don't think about writers changing a plot because of the audience reacting well to it. And that was such an in-time reaction that was so special. I could have watched every single major moment of the show happen and then heard the audience's live reaction accompanying that. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that point up because that's the next thing that I was going to say. I think it also really takes a very talented writer, director, producer to understand that 
at the end of the day, you are appealing to the audience. And I guess that is only a luxury that you have with a live studio audience because in another show, maybe you're making some stylistic decisions for the next season based on how the season in general was received. But the fact that literally that actual live reaction and the volume and length of laughter contributed to them changing their minds, that was marvelous. That was really special. Yeah, I obviously so agree. And then when you find out, hearing Matthew Perry say that he really had kind of like a deep level of anxiety about making sure that he was eliciting a laugh from the audience. And actually, almost to the point where you saw with that scene with Joey when he kept tripping accidentally, how you saw Matthew Perry basically burst into the scene as a way to just make the audience laugh because he couldn't handle that Matt LeBlanc was getting so many laughs. And that wasn't said in any sort of a bad way. He was just being really honest about his experience. But so having that knowledge made the Monica Chandler in bed audience reaction so much better to me because I then was thinking, oh my God, for Matthew, that probably was the ultimate. It was. It was really interesting hearing his perspective. Hearing all of their perspectives on the show and what they thought of it was so interesting. I feel like one of the things that maybe was expected that didn't happen was a ton of crazy revelations or information from the show. I don't think we got that other than the David Trimmer, Jen Aniston thing that we'll get into in a second. But for me, just hearing them talk about it, I think a lot of people felt this way, hearing them talk about their experience, even if it wasn't the craziest revelation in in the world, was just so incredible to hear because it was information that you didn't have that made you just feel like, happy and nostalgic. And that's all the show was supposed to do. I think it did accomplish that goal. Yeah, definitely. Let's get into the Jen David thing, because that was, I would say, undebatably the biggest revelation, the biggest kind of holy shit moment. And not only to hear them kind of both confirm that they had a crush on each other and that it was very reciprocal, But then to hear Matt LeBlanc kind of jokingly saying bullshit in response to them saying they never really hooked up and just that whole dynamic, talk about fascinating to watch. It's funny because a teaser for that came out. And when I first heard like, you know, uh, Jen Aniston and David Trimmer reveal they had a crush on each other during the show, I was like, okay, big deal. Like I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was going to be like a little bit blown out of portion. Like, first of all, obviously David Trimmer had a crush on Jen Aniston. We all have a crush on Jen Aniston. You're not special. <laughs> but when they were talking about it and they were really saying like, no, it wasn't just a crush. It was like, we really had this connection that neither of us were willing to give into. And we were, we acknowledged it, but we were also fighting it. And there was a part where David Trimmer says, you know, I remember you know, we'd be filming and we would just sit on this couch and we'd be like cuddling. I was like, this is a lot more intense than I ever thought that it was going to be, that it was ever going to be revealed to be. And even Courtney Cox is saying that she watched the scene where Ross and Rachel kissed for the first time in the coffee shop. And she was like, I was hysterically crying because I could tell. And I knew that you guys were channeling all your love and appreciation for each other into that one scene. And she was like, it was just so emotional. And I was like, wow, this is way different than what I was expecting. And I couldn't believe, I mean, I could believe it, but I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe when David Schwimmer said that he had jokingly said to Jen, you know, it's really going to suck if we kiss for the first time in the show. And then they did. And I was thinking to myself, I can't believe that for the last however many years, we had no idea the passion and the kind of like history that went into that kiss. (laughs) Right. No, it it was very crazy. you're right. When you think about that kiss in that moment, in retrospect, knowing that information, yeah, it's, it's 
pretty fucking wild. I have to say, I believe them that they never hooked up because the chemistry between the six of them throughout the show was so amazing. And that's why the show worked so well. And all of them actively and consciously knew that and acknowledged it. And the show was so incredibly important to them that I totally believe that they didn't act on it as a way to preserve the chemistry and the magic in the show. I think there was a quote that somebody had said a while ago, it may have just been from a TV show, that you can always tell when actors aren't hooking up because that's when they have actual chemistry. And you could see that between the two of them throughout the show. So I totally, totally believe that they didn't hook up. I think it's funny now watching everybody try to figure out, you know, both of them are single now. Are they going to hook up now? Are they going to start dating? Which would be so funny to me. Well, yeah. And that's kind of what Courtney said when she was like, I'm glad that you guys didn't because if it didn't work out, that inevitably would have impacted the chemistry of the show, which none of them wanted. You know, you have this magic. Why are you willing to risk it? But yes, second of all, it was so funny that his ex-wife, because they were married from 2010 to 2017, Zoe Buckman, I believe her name is, and she was trending on Wikipedia. I mean, that was the first thing that everybody was looking up, which was so funny. And to me, I was just thinking, at this point, 17 years after the finale, I think they would have admitted it. Like, I think if they had hooked up, they would have admitted it. I don't think either of them are too proud. Who gives a shit? It's wandering under the bridge now. So that's why you're right. Call me naive. I believe them. Also, you're going to tell me that David Schwimmer would have actually hooked up with Jennifer Aniston and he still to this day would have denied it? No. Not a chance. There's no fucking way. He would have been the so proud. As long as he had her permission, he would have been so proud to say, yeah, we were totally a thing. Yeah. Oh my God. That was so, that was really the craziest part. I have to say, I thought the whole thing was just excellently done. I think if you want to be cynical about it, you can always find things to be. But for me, who's typically cynical about everything. I just thought it was just the single most enjoyable hour and 45 minutes of television that you could watch. It was happy. It was emotional. It was nostalgic. I think it capitalized on every single thing that you wanted from it. Everyone that I've spoken to absolutely loved it and was so happy watching it. And I think that that is such a better gauge of how a show actually is, is like real fans reactions rather than, you know, people writing reviews. Yeah, of course. You want to hit on the emotions and that's what it did. And that's, I think, especially in this time when we're starting to kind of come out of a really dark time, that is the type of reaction that we so are searching for. The information I want now is like, okay, how many people went back and watched Friends? How many street, like how many people signed up for HBO Max to be able to watch the Friends reunion and then are staying to be able to watch all of it. Like there are so many things that I wonder because you see those spikes when something big happens where like a show is brought back or a song is brought back from a TikTok trend, something like that. Like I want to know how many people sat down and were like, okay, I'm watching Friends from the beginning now. I haven't watched it in so long. I think we will get those stats. I hope so. One last thing that I just wanted to mention that you know, a lot of people were talking about was obviously kind of the Matthew Perry of it all. And he had revealed that he struggled with addiction during the filming of the show. I, you know, he had made a quote that he basically kind of didn't fully remember somewhere between seasons three and six. And he now, you know, according to him and his team, is sober. And I think, well, I don't think I know that when he had initially made his return to social media or when he had been spotted out, he was met with like some really, really cruel reactions from the public because obviously he does look different than he looked and he doesn't have that same you know, charisma that he once had. And I think that's just a result of life and a lot of the things that have happened to him. And so 
I, I have to imagine, although he didn't explicitly say it, I have to imagine that based on how mean people had been to him, that he was a little bit nervous to do this level of vulnerability kind of, you know, just, he wasn't in character. He was really just talking about his experience. And I know he had slurred a little bit and people were really wondering what the deal was there. And his team had come out and said that he had a dental procedure and it was a result of the dental procedure. Who knows what the deal is? I will take his word for it. But I just hope that people would have been kinder to him this time around after hearing about the impact that their words had on him the first time. Yeah, definitely. I thought that was I thought that was just strange, people's reactions. But again, people always think they're just talking into a void and that no one can hear it or listen to it or pay attention to it. And maybe that works when one person's doing it. When every single person is doing it, your words have an effect. And especially for somebody like Matthew Perry, who has struggled openly, it was just strange to see the reaction. It was just strange to see the reaction in general of everybody like not really understanding the concept of aging. It's been 17 years since the show was on. Obviously, everybody's going to look a little bit different. And that was something that was so weird to me to see everyone's reaction of being like, oh, these guys got old. It's like, yeah, it's it's been a while since the show was on. That's the whole purpose of the reunion. I know, right? I, I, I'm so confused by that. Like all of the memes that are about them with Botox, like, what do you expect? And I have to say, I had they looked the exact same as they did, aka had not a lot of time passed, the reunion wouldn't have been as special. It was special because it has been so long and the show is still so present in all of our lives and still so important and still such a piece of history that to hear them talk about it so many years later and show how long it has physically been since the show was on made it so much more special for me to see. Because I think a lot of times when shows are really good, they jump the gun on trying to like bring back that nostalgia, but it hasn't been enough time to let it build. This built, this really, to see six of them together again, I know we had seen them on that Instagram post. I know there was a lot of conversation about being nervous about the reunion, but just the idea of the six of them being together, capturing that nostalgia, for it to have been so much time passed, it was perfect. I completely agree. I completely agree. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, 
We have, when I tell you, 0% idea if there's any legitimacy to this. And I know typically we wouldn't bring up things that are just rumors. We love Dumas just as much as the next guy, but even they will say they're not necessarily the most credible source. They're kind of just saying what they hear. And so nobody take this as fact, but we got enough messages about it where it felt like it was worth just bringing up as long as we come in under the preface that we have no idea if this is true. But there are rumors heavily circulating that Kanye is now dating Irina Shayk for context. Obviously, she's a famous model and was with Bradley Cooper from 2015 to 2019. So, I, well, let me, I'm like, I have so much to say, but okay, let me give you guys a little bit of background. They have known each other for over 10 years. She was actually cast in his music video for his song Power. 11 years ago in 2010. And that was when she kind of portrayed an angel. If you look it up, you'll see her immediately. And then two years after that in 2012, she walked in his fall winter fashion collection at Paris Fashion Week. And so once these rumors started circulating, I would say they were really brought to the next level by people seeing her in one of the DMX shirts that Connie had commissioned, which a thousand percent could have just been a coincidence. But I just want to throw it out there that those rumors are like very heavily circulating, even not just on Dumas. Like we have heard them from other places as well. So I don't know, Julie, what do you think? Is there any truth to that? I have no idea. I I really don't. And this is one of those stories where I don't even feel the need to talk about it as if it's true. I know we like to do that a lot because it almost doesn't matter because For me, the interest level lies so much in the fact that we spent so much time talking about who is Kim going to date next? Who is the person Kim is going to end up with? Is Kim going to date somebody young and and have a wild phase? Is she going to date somebody serious right away? Like so much time and energy, I feel like we've spent put into that and very minimal spent into who Kanye is dating. So just the idea that we have a name to associate with Kanye's next phase is so, so unbelievably interesting to me. And for it to be Irina is a crazy plot twist. I don't know if it's true. And I don't think it's like, okay, this is the be all and all. He met somebody. Like, I just think the idea of them moving on and dating other people is something that we obviously knew was going to happen, but maybe not so quickly. And we're still processing the divorce and who Kim is going to end up with. So the Kanye of it all now is so, so interesting. What you just said about how like it's not even has anything to do with Irina necessarily. It's more so just about the fact that Kanye would be dating anyone for some reason that was like, even though it's a very normal, logical next step, completely removed from my mind. And the reason I'm not so hooked into it from the Irina side is because, you know, she's been broken up with Bradley for two years now. But you're right, just the general idea of Kanye dating anyone, regardless of who it is, throws me off. I just I don't know. Like it's so much less about this particular thing and more so this news in general circulating because then it makes me think, you know what? In like a year, two years time, there's going to be real rumors that start circulating and then are confirmed by paparazzi photos. And then there's going to be a whole new era of their dating lives that are going to exist. And that's going to lead to just so much more conversations that I'm already excited to have with you. Yeah. I mean, think about the way we're talking about Courtney and Travis now. For that to be Kim feels like a whole other level. It feels like a whole different thing that I can't even predict because I don't know who that person's going to be, but also with Kanye. And I guess it's a little bit 
different in terms of who the family normally dates because when they share kids, it's so public. Like with Scott, for example, it was so public who he's been dating because he's still on the show. Kanye presumably won't be on the show going forward, even though they'll have a co-parenting relationship. So his relationship outside of the family, who is romantic relationship, is obviously going to be kept more private than other times that we've seen it in the past. But it'll still be so interesting to see that next generation paparazzi photos of Kanye, whoever he's dating and the kids, like Kanye, whoever he's dating in Paris, where he used to go with Kim, like new gifts that Kanye gives that person. It has been so, so long since we've seen Kanye in a relationship. Obviously, it was Amber Rose before it was Kim. But even during that era, there was kind of the knowledge of Kanye and Kim. We don't really know life without Kanye and Kim. It's been so long. So to see that, how that's going to manifest itself is going to be wild. Yes. And it will also be very interesting to see if the person has a strong social media presence. Obviously, it wouldn't be like Kim's. I would imagine they're not sharing their life in the way that Kim does, but it will be a lot more private if there's somebody that doesn't really use Instagram, maybe doesn't even have one kind of similar to him, or if it's somebody that on Valentine's Day wakes up to, I don't know, 100,000 roses and a whole choir and is posting it on their story. I mean, that would be fucking wild. Do you think that if you're dating Kanye, you are constantly comparing gifts? Well, let me ask you something. I don't know if it's just gifts or if gifts is kind of like the physical manifestation of where your comparison would come from because I think it must be really hard. And I think, you know, time heals these things and clearly it didn't work out. But when for so long, even when he was in other relationships, Kim was his ultimate and he had been so vocal about that even before they dated that I think that in general would be a potentially hard thing to compare as any person. Yeah, definitely. I'm just thinking like, and not Irina in this circumstance. I'm just saying like if he was in a serious, serious relationship or if he ever got remarried, do you, every single gift he got Kim was just spectacular. Like that is what he was known for. That was obviously his love language and him giving her those gifts was his way of saying like, I have been in love with you since before you even spoke to me. Like you are, you were the ultimate. Obviously that is a quote he has said multiple times and you're so right that like anybody who dates him obviously has to deal with that quote being out there. Um, But the physical manifestation of that was always the gifts that he got her and how lavish and expensive and sentimental they were. And I just have to imagine like if for every single occasion, if you're in a serious, serious relationship with Kanye, are you constantly comparing what he got you for this occasion versus what he got Kim for that occasion? I think that you may. I think it depends on the person, but I don't I wouldn't fault anybody for doing that. Yeah, I mean it's very rare in normal circumstances you are not privy to every single gift or if it's not every single a lot of gifts that your significant other has given their ex. And so when you date a Kardashian, and I don't just mean a celebrity, when you date specifically a Kardashian who share those gifts, it's a makes it a little bit more complicated. Right. It'll be weird seeing him buy gifts for somebody else. The whole thing is crazy to me. Like I I need a minute. <laughs> take take your time. <laughs> okay, so anyone who knows me and honestly at this point anyone who listens to the podcast cuz I guess we've just <laughs> 
gotten real close around here knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and they're just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable, like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So you guys remember two weeks ago when we basically did a little last minute recording for our episode because we found out that Ariana Grande had gotten married at that private ceremony at her home in Montecito. And we didn't really know much. That was on May 15th. But this last week, she and Vogue released some of the photos. And I'm sure you all saw them. Obviously, there's not too much to discuss, but we just wanted to read like the first two paragraphs of this Vogue article because they really beautifully explained and I think kind of gave an essence as to what the wedding was like. It was called Inside Ariana Grande's Intimate At-Home Wedding by Alexandra McCone. On a Saturday in mid-May, Ariana Grande channeled Audrey Hepburn's timeless elegance when she walked down the aisle wearing Vera Wang to marry real estate agent Dalton Gomez at her home in Montecito, California. At the Met Gala a few years ago, Ariana and Vera had made a very important pact. On fashion's biggest night, Vera promised that when the time came, she would create Ariana's wedding day look, and the iconic designer delivered. The end result, a custom lily-white, silk charmeuse empire waist column gown, ascended with a sculpted neckline, an exposed bra strap closure, and a plunging back, was befitting of the pop star on her big day. The dress was accessorized with a shoulder-length, hand-pleated bubble veil, with a sweet satin bow at the very top. Altogether, the ensemble, styled to perfection by Mimi Cottrell, was reminiscent of the look Joe Stockton so famously wore in Funny Face. Pearl and diamond earrings by Lorraine Schwartz were chosen to match the bride's engagement ring, with one upside down, a nod to her aesthetic that started during the sweetener era, and the other right side up. The meaning behind this is significant to Ariana, as it represents appreciating the lowest or the upside down moments in her life, and how they have contributed to where and who she is now. Her polished half-up hair and soft curls were the work of Josh Liu, and her natural makeup with sculpted brows and a pretty winged liner were done by Ash K. Holm. The ceremony was an intimate affair with less than 20 close friends and family gathered to watch the couple, who started dating back in January 2020 and got engaged the following December, say, I do, in a room aglow in candlelight. As the lyrics of Thank You Next predicted, quote, one day I'll walk down the aisle holding hands with my mama. Ariana's mother, Joan Grande, gave her away. 
although in real life she did so alongside Ariana's father, Ed Butera, which was a personal high point and one of the most special moments for the bride. Dalton, wearing a Tom Ford suit, waited beneath flowers suspended from the ceiling. Then the couple said their vows, committing to happily ever after in love forever. Ah, I know. (laughs) Did you know that her wedding picture is now the second most liked picture on Instagram with 26 million likes? Do you know that no picture can beat that stupid egg that has 55 million likes? I know. It's so fucked up. (laughs) so annoying. This really, again, we didn't really get that much information. I know there's not so much to discuss, but I think that probably most people had a similar reaction to us and just feeling really happy for her and feeling like this ceremony and this entire thing just seemed very heartfelt. Yeah, it did. It seemed incredibly, incredibly personal and intimate. And I love that. I think that it's it's so interesting to me because obviously we love a big celebrity wedding, but we're always so critical of it for some reason. And when celebrities do something like this, where they get married intimately in their home and it's not a big deal and it's a surprise thing, we're always like, I don't know why, but in my head, and I think a lot of other people were like, oh, this is, this is the real deal. It wasn't for show. It was, it was their own private thing. And, and this is the real deal. And I kind of felt that way. Like it felt just very sentimental and real and for them and not for anybody else. I loved the little nod to herself with the, you know, one earring being upside down. I thought that was such a subtle, but great detail. Her father being there to walk her down the aisle, I know was probably so emotional for her because their relationship or the rekindling of their relationship is very new. Um, and she actually, when she performs, thank you next, she has to change that lyric or she chooses to change that lyric because it was about her dad and her mom growing from the trauma from it. And she changed it to, you know, acknowledge his presence in her life now. So yeah, I, all of those little details, obviously we didn't get a ton of, but the little ones that we got, I thought were really great and important. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really an unfair thing that I think we, as the public do, touching on your earlier point when it comes to celebrity weddings or celebrations, because on one hand, we love to get every detail of these really extravagant weddings. And then when we do, we often take it as a sign of being pretentious or being overly extravagant. I'm not saying we as me and you necessarily, but just in general, I think that that's sometimes the public perception. And at the same time, while we are frustrated maybe sometimes by the lack of details from other really famous couples or the level of intimacy. We also have that same kind of acknowledgement that maybe it's representative of some authenticity. And it's like such a not fair thing to judge because sometimes really famous, really rich people are having really extravagant weddings because that's just what they want to do. It's not their fault that the public views it as like showing off. So it's so unfair, but you're right. There's just something about this type of wedding, even though I'm sure it was a fortune that makes you believe it. I I don't know the best way to put it, but yeah, I think we're all just really happy for her. Yeah, exactly. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. 
And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So not that much in the Kardashian recap this week. The first thing we wanted to talk about was just Kylie and Travis because there was a lot of Instagram story content of them. They were together visiting Travis's family in Houston. And I'm sure you saw them on the playground with Stormy and specifically in that Target, which is so funny, the messages we got of people being like, imagine you're just getting your Neutrogena makeup wipes in the Target aisle and you turn to your left and there's Kylie Jenner in Houston, Texas. And like, you know what? Yeah, that's a pretty wild celebrity spotting for that particular place. I think we've had this conversation before on the podcast and it may have been a very long time ago. To me, there is no greater spotting than a celebrity at Target specifically. Every other store like that, yes, it's cool. Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, crazy spotting, but nothing, nothing normalizes a celebrity and nothing is a better spotting than seeing them at Target. I think there was a Ashley Benson Carr leaving Target picture. There was a time that Angelina Jolie was at Target. There was a time that Beyonce was at Target. And to me, the Target carries a different weight than any other store they could possibly be in. Yeah, because it's a level of relatability. And it's just so, it's so undeniable the fact that like we all have experienced Target. I actually was walking out of a Target when I saw that Kylie and Travis were at Target. The one by my apartment? Even better, a suburban Target. Oh, in the big leagues now, baby. (laughs) Nothing gets me going like a suburban Target. Let me tell you guys something, just a little fun fact about me and Julie and Isabel. I would say probably up there with our top three favorite activities is getting really high and just going to Target. It is such a fun and honestly can be an inexpensive thing because it's the one time when you're at Target and sometimes you don't want to buy everything because you're too high to wait in the line. But just being there, you feel like a kid in a candy store. Listen, let me tell you something about Target. Not only does it have everything you could ever want in terms of just toiletries and product and gain everything, their clothing section it's not a joke. Like, I'm not kidding when I tell you that I spent like $200 on clothes at Target the other day. First of all, their clothing section is lit and anybody who says otherwise is lying. Like, it started to become this TikTok trend that people were making fun of. And then you actually go and you're like, wait a second, why have I not been aware of this information previously? I, the Target clothes section is fire. Yeah, it really is. In terms of Kylie and Travis, the only thing I really want to say on it because I don't think it changes anything in terms of our interpretation of their relationship, is that something you always get the sense of with them is that they have a lot of fun together. And I think I'm glad that she's not dating a guy that's like 38, which I totally could see her doing enough. There's anything wrong if she wanted to do that. But like, it's nice that she's dating somebody that's closer in her age, that's in his 20s. I don't know. I just could so see Kylie taking the really kind of older man approach. And I think... She often 
I feel like seems so much older than she is that there's something nice about this almost juvenile edge that she has to herself when she's with Travis. Yeah, I so, so agree. I really, really like them together. I I mean, in my belief, they're definitely back together. I don't know if everyone thinks that they fully are, but I think a trip to Houston really solidifies that in my mind. But I think they have so much fun together. I like that they are both young and they, but at the same time, as much fun as they're having and as almost childlike sometimes as they are, they're both just huge in their own field. And I think that connects them in such a way. They both have these intense, crazy fan bases that watch their every move and are obsessed with them. And both of them, it's pretty equal in that regard. And I think that also helps their relationship because it's not like one is being overly, overly praised and the other is kind of being forgotten. I think there's a very clear balance of power in that relationship just in terms of public perception and fame. And I think that's really important when you're dating Kylie Jenner or any of the family members, as we've spoken about so many times. There are so many people that think that they can handle it. And then whether it's the imbalance of fame or the invasion of privacy or any of those things, in the end, they can't. And it does seem like with the two of them, they have it for right now. I'm not saying that won't change. It obviously could. We've seen it change with Kim and Kanye over the years. But for right now, it seems like they kind of have that figured out. Yeah, which is nice to see because that, you know, there's a lot of other things that make relationships hard just in general, even for your average person, that that element on top of it definitely doesn't help. So you're right. It's nice to see them kind of seemingly having that under control. Who knows? We'll definitely see what happens, but I'm excited to watch this kind of phase of their relationship. And I'm really hoping for a, for another stormy here. Oh, <laughs> your mouth to God's ears. So Courtney and Travis were in Palm Springs, and there's a few things that we want to mention about this. The first is, I don't know if this has been widely reported, but our kind of theory is that she bought her own Palm Springs house, not just because we see her in Palm Springs a lot and it's sometimes not in Chris's house, but because a few weeks ago when she had posted Kim's gift for her, and I forget what the gift even was, you could see the card, and in the card it said something like, for your new Palm Springs house. So that's why we think so, especially because they've been going to this house. And you guys saw the water slides that they had with all the kids and stuff. But then, very interesting, and I saw this on Not Skinny But Not Fat Story, Sophia Ritchie also posted the exact same water slide. And she was also in Palm Springs for the weekend. And so what we have kind of figured out, or what we at least think, is that Sophia's boyfriend is this guy, Elliot Grange. He's the founder and CEO of 10K Projects, which is an independent music label. But his father is the chairman and CEO of Universal Music Group. So at first we started to think, okay, you know, maybe Travis is with UMG. We were trying to figure that out. That's not the case. But then Travis follows him on Instagram. And we found out that Trippy Red and Travis did a joint album that's titled Neon Shark vs. Pegasus. And Trippy is signed to 10K Projects, which is her boyfriend's independent music label. So there could be another kind of connect, but at the very least, Travis is friendly with her boyfriend. And so, like, that's just not uh, something I would have envisioned necessarily. Are we a hundred thousand percent sure that it was definitely at Courtney's? I'm like, not. Sophia was definitely at Courtney's. I'm not 100,000% sure at all. I guess it's possible that there were multiple of those exact same water slides that were set up around multiple locations in Palm Springs. Also, by that same token, I don't think it's crazy to like try to come up with a connect because 
they were both in Palm Springs and it's the exact same water slide. But again, there may have been multiple. Who knows? Maybe it was at somebody else's house. Yeah, I have no idea. It could have been at another location. It was just so weird to me. Like even even that connection of the trippy ride, which we, you know, figured out through some investigative journalistic work. It's still weird to me that they would have been together. Like, and also, I don't know. Maybe it was at an, another location and it wasn't at Courtney's house and it was like like a club they have there that had that water slide. I don't know. Let's just say for purposes of this that it wasn't a different location because it totally could have been, right? There could have been two slides. It could have been somebody else's house. But let's just say for purposes of this that it really was Courtney's. Honestly, initially I was like, oh, that's kind of you know interesting that Sophia and Courtney would be in the same spot. But now I'm thinking about it like, it's actually not that weird. She's been a friend of the family forever. There's nothing going on even remotely with Courtney and Scott. Courtney's in another relationship. Sophia's in another relationship. I'm sure they see each other in passing all the time. And like out of anyone, there's no bad blood there. I don't know. To me, it would be weird. I don't think it would be. If if Courtney wasn't in another relationship, maybe, but based on how serious she is and how serious Sophia seems with this guy, and honestly, Scott's in another relationship, to me, it's like water under the bridge. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It, It could be. We'll see. I guess we will see. Or we won't. (laughs) Or we won't. Honestly, we probably won't. You're right. (laughs) Anything else you would like to mention? No, I think that's it. I think so too. I just want to go back to what I had said at the beginning, because if you guys remember last week, we had to release the episode on Tuesday and obviously this week also just for Memorial Day, but we kind of asked you for your feedback. Like, would you rather Monday night or would you rather Tuesday morning? And it was really split in terms of what people said, but the kind of trend that we saw is that it's not that people cared so much. It was just more so that people really want consistency. And I get it. Like we love the fact that every Thursday night, the Kardashian episode is scheduled for 9.05. The Monday one is just a little bit more difficult because we used to record it on Sundays. And then what was happening is that so much news was breaking Monday morning that we were basically going back and redoing half of the episode and it just didn't sound cohesive. So we were like, okay, for purposes of just cohesion, we got to record it on Monday. But we have a 6 p.m. cutoff with our producer. And so you would think, yeah, they start at 9, 10 a.m. They'd figure it out. But we listen back to the episodes and it just takes a lot. And so we never wanted to be rushed. We obviously want to put out the best product. But I think the the main like feedback was just that people want consistency. So I think what we're going to do is talk to our producer and see if we can get it done in a way that we can have the episode go up every single Monday night at 6.30. So the people that want to listen first thing Tuesday morning, they can have that luxury, but also the moms that message us that you know feed their baby at 3 a.m. and want to be able to listen 3 a.m. Tuesday morning still could. So we're going to see if we can extend our cutoff a little bit with our producer on Monday nights. Just I'm just walking through our process as we're doing it. So then ideally it could come out the same exact time every Monday night. And I think that would make us feel better. And I think that that would be appreciated by the masses, right? I think so as well. Yeah. Because trust me, we love the consistencies too. We're just not willing to sacrifice quality just for purposes of consistency. But if we could extend it a little more, I think that would give us more peace of mind. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So I don't know. We're just going to go with it as it comes. But Oh God, I guess this I should tell them about next week. I forgot. Yeah, tell them. Oh my God, you guys. Okay. So next week we are taking our only break that we've, I think, ever taken besides in between Christmases and New Year's. So we will not have, well, initially we weren't going to have any of the three episodes we planned it months ago, but we then realized that next week is the final episode of Kardashians. And so most likely we probably will just 
come on, even though we're going to be away and just do some sort of an episode, just talking about it because it feels like sacrilegious to leave everyone in the dust, even though we don't have a episode scheduled. So we will keep you guys posted on that. But for definitely the regular episode in Bravo, we are going to be off for next week. Yes, we are. Doesn't that feel crazy to say? I know it does. Major last day of school energy we got going on right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. We'll see you on Thursday night for Kardashians. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo. And also, I just want to say, Isabel and I's Bravo episode from last week, I think was really fun because we had Justin come on for the Beverly Hills debrief. So it was a good episode. So if you're at all interested in Kathy Hilton and all that, definitely take a listen. Okay. Love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you.